Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles fearless records, punk goes series to answer the age-old question, hell yeah, or yeah, nah. How do you still have this much energy? I, um, I also had my first narration session today, and so, like, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that I can still talk. Yeah, me too. Not surprised that you can talk, you're surprised that I can talk. Yes. Kind of hoping that maybe I lost my voice a little bit there. No. No. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, unfortunately, we took a week off last week. I would have loved to have recorded, but my body was not willing to. So um, it was betraying me like it usually betrays me, but most more so in the voice department. Uh, but how are you doing? I'm good. We're just crawling towards the finish line this year, I feel. Or at least I am. I feel like that's what this year is. It's just, it's been a slow sprint. See how we go. It's been, it's been the foot race. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I tripped over in like January and I've just kind of been... Skinned your knee and just went, nah, not doing this. Just, yeah. That like, just picture those... YouTube videos of, like, someone doing hurdles and they fall over the first one, then they fall over the second one, then they fall over the third one. And I feel like skinned knees are an exclusively, exclusively a kid problem. It's, yeah, it throws, it's, it takes you aback when you're an adult and you skin your knee. You're just like, this isn't meant to happen. Yeah. But, like, I think I had skinned knees from, like, six to twelve. It's not like I was outside playing. I would just, you know, fall over a lot. Yeah. 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 Uh, You know, I would declare a holy war. Like Uh, this week's song, Holy Wars. For a second, I thought you said holy wars as in a war on Christmas. (laughs) Oh, you know, we are in Christmas, so. Mm. (laughs) Christmas song, maybe, probably not. No. Uh, Holy wars, parentheses? Ellipses. Ellipses. The Punishment Due by Megadeth, as covered by RX Bandits for Punk Goes Metal. trying to disassociate my brain from the narration voice. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> so like, I really want to be like, about Megadeth, formed in 1983 from Los Angeles. But I'll, I like that, but I, yeah, it doesn't really vibe what, with our... What's going to make you less annoyed? 
Not it. I'm not annoyed. I'm just fundamentally tired. Yeah, and I've already forgotten what both of these songs sound like. <laughs> like I'm just gonna level with you. I got nothing to offer tonight, so, so we'll see just, how this goes. There'll be just a lot of yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Look, pretty much. It'll just be a lot of me being like, "That sounds interesting." Well, good thing I know this song pretty well. Like, good, not like inside and out, but I know it pretty well, so we can form together. I got that impression when it started, and I said, is there any singing in this? And you said yes. Uh, you know, when you got to two minutes in and were like, what is this, just instrumentals? No. Yeah. Anywho. So, the band, being Megadeth, formed after frontman Dave Mustaine was kicked out of Metallica for substance abuse problems and for conflicts with James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich. Did you already mention that they formed in 1983 from Los Angeles? Yeah, that's when I started with my formed in 1983 from Los Angeles. See, we're already off to an excellent start. It's going to be a cracking episode. Look, just these last couple. (laughs) Like you said, get to get to that finish line. It's It's not like we take a week off, we just then get back into it next year, but... Yeah, look. At least you'll you'll have had some time off from work. Isn't that what life is? It's just you try again next week and you try again next week and you try again next week. Or you just, you you vow to just be harder and faster like the previous week. Like Mustaine vowed revenge on Metallica by forming a faster, heavier band. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Isn't that... Daft Punk. Ah, yeah. I was thinking of... um, No, not the other guy. Ye Who Shall Not Be Named. No. Uh, Mustaine found a pamphlet for the then California Senator Alan Cranston. The pamphlet read, The arsenal of Megadeth cannot be rid, no matter what the peace treaties come to. The word Megadeth stuck with Dave. Looking for musicians to start a band with, Mustaine would meet bassist David Allison and drummer and guitarist Greg Handovit. And, mm. ooh, I hand of it? Hand of it, but I don't know if you... And drummer and guitarist. I'm sorry, Greg, I can't remember which one you were. <laughs> You're either the drummer or the guitarist. Oh, no. Uh, while Hand of It would only stay in the band for a few months, Allison, beside Mustaine, and despite taking an eight-year break, is the second longest tenured member of Megadeth. However, Allison was fired from the band after videos surfaced on Twitter of him masturbating. This led to accusations of grooming. Something that was last year or the year before. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So about the song, mm-hmm. Holy Wars, The Punishment Jew, was the first single from the band's 1990 album, Rust in Peace. The song is commonly referred to as Holy Wars, while The Punishment Jew refers to the heavier, slower section. Mm-hmm. The lyrics deal with global conflicts, especially in Israel and Northern Ireland, In an interview, Mustaine said that he was inspired to write the song in Northern Ireland when he discovered bootlegged Megadeth shirts on sale and was disgusted disgusted from taking... (laughs) Was disgusted. He was just so disgusted. He was like, that money should be mine. Like his his buddy Lars Ulrich would later do with Napster. Yes. Dissuaded from taking action to have them removed on the grounds that they were part of fundraising activities for, quote, the cause. Do you mind if we get into this bit a little bit more? Because I was reading, I was doing my very in-depth research by looking at the lyrics on Genius as the song was playing out. Sure. And just by the sounds of it, it sounds as if old mate Dave, Dave Mustaine, Mustaine just like 
massively fucked up and like this is his song to be like i'm so sorry i promise i'm a real head and i understand what's going on oh okay so i'm just gonna read verbatim from genius so thanks guys uh, the story of Dave Mustaine's inspiration for the song is outlined in the liner notes of the 2004 re-release of Rust and Peace, originally taken from an interview with the UK magazine Guitarist. Whilst on tour in Northern Ireland, Mustaine was dissuaded from, quote, taking action against bootleggers selling Megadeth t-shirts, as they claimed it was to help, quote, fund the cause, which you've already just said. Dave liked the sound of, quote, the cause, so dedicated a cover of the Sex Pistols Anarchy in the UK to it shouting, quote, Give Ireland back to the Irish. This one's for the cause. Anarchy in Ireland. This resulted in a near riot, and Megadeth had to leave the city of Belfast in a bulletproof bus by police escort. So I think, like, the cause, he inadvertently was referring to the IRA. Well, yeah, yeah. He wasn't like, oh, no, England should keep Ireland. No, yeah, but, like, there was just, oh, yeah, like, there was something about it where it didn't gel but no you are absolutely correct um that is one of the one of the key points in history like the world history that and the berlin wall are a couple of topics that i need to really bone up on like same it's it's a couple of things that like because it happened in our lifetime yeah well well no i think berlin wall happened the same year i was born and this was going on while i was born i don't know when Things got better in Ireland, um, but I need to I need to do my research on this topic, essentially, because I still don't quite know what the conflict was about. Yeah, there's also a direct quote here from Dave, um, which might help to better illustrate. Because yeah, I'm on the same page as you, where like. Like, if we had Friend of the Pod Joe on right now, I'd be like, aha, I know exactly what's going on. Yeah. But because I'm stupid (laughs) and she's not here, I'm just kind of nodding along being like, "Mm, yes, I agree. But basically, Dave's take on the matter was, we'd been in Northern Ireland, I'd been drinking Guinness, there you go, and somebody explained some complicated stuff to me in a simplified manner really quickly and I bought it, which is the story of my fucking life. Um... That was me, not Dave, just then. I said something from the stage that I shouldn't have and it caused a scuffle. David Elliston wouldn't talk to me the next day. I said, what's wrong? And he said, you don't know what you said last night, do you? I said, no, I was drunk. That's the point. Okay, that's a bit weird. Um, he told me what I'd said. Um, and then in square brackets it says, Dave made an onstage dedication to, quote, the cause, a reference to the IRA, and that we were escorted out of town in a bulletproof bus. I was so disappointed I'd said that. I didn't know what I was saying. If you know what you're saying, then it's one thing. But if you're saying it because someone sold you some bullshit, the guy said it was for the cause. And I was like, what's the cause? And he said it was just prejudice with Protestants versus Catholics. I didn't know about the whole skirmish. The next day we left Dublin for Nottingham Rock City and Chuck Baylor was nowhere to be found. Um, Chuck's drum tech, Nick Menzer, hopped up on the drum kit and I started playing the riff to Holy Wars and wrote the lyrics soon after. My attitude to the lyrics hasn't changed since then. It's the same stuff, man. There are still religious wars, still people who don't know such as I didn't, still people who follow all this stuff and have no understanding of other people's lives or their cultures, laws, and shit like that. (laughs) This quote is just so real (laughs) and shit like that. Um, Just a couple of different things with liberties from one country to the next can mean freedom to express yourself or you get your head cut off. Jesus. 
It's important not to go into the world and expect things your way. And I love this shift. The song appeared on Guitar Hero years after it came out. (laughs) I like that young guitar players are learning music on a bastardized version of guitar. It unlocks the world to non-musicians. I just want people to have a good time with it. So that was taken from an interview with Metal Hammer, I believe. That's, yeah, that's a surprisingly sort of honest or like self-reflective quote from him because... Is he not known for those usually? His ego knows no bounds. Right. And like his whole thing of... So my introduction to him was the, the Metallica documentary, Some Kind of Monster, and it was not a good introduction to Dave Mustaine because he's just, he gets back together with Lars from Metallica yep. and they have a sit down. Right. And I don't know if it was like the first time they'd spoken in years or however long it had been. And he's just, he's so miserable. He's just sitting there and he's just complaining. And it's like, I'm like, who let their mum in? Like, who's this redheaded, like miserable man and he's just sitting there, he's like, oh man, and we just formed Metallica together and I just was really having a good time, man. And like, then you just kicked me out of the band and you're supposed to be my brother, brother. Like, what the fuck, man? And I was like, this is a horrible introduction to this guy. Right. I didn't then get into Megadeth for quite a while until looking online and people were like, oh yeah, Megadeth's a good band, though. Yeah. And... But, like, looking into him, I I go back and forth on him a lot. Like, I was watching a documentary about Thrash about a year ago, and he's, like, he basically pins himself as the pinnacle, like, the the linchpin, the, the fucking, the fucking major player in all of Thrash metal. Like, if I didn't exist, this music wouldn't exist. Like, not taking into account that, like, there was a German thrash scene that probably wasn't taking too much from America because they were taking stuff from, like, speed metal and and the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. And, like, you know, you'd have to fucking do the tape trading or whatever it was, like, exporting music into your country. There was a Brazilian thrash scene that was doing something different to America as well. It's like... It would have existed, but in different Yeah, but ways. the world revolves around America, remember? Yeah, and that's kind of... His ego is kind of the American attitude. Yeah. And then, like, in the 2000s, he became a born-again Christian. <laughs> okay. And things like... Like, I read recently, I think at some point, uh, it's the band Merciful Fate that um, King Diamond... Like, that was his band before he did his own solo stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm a massive King Diamond fan. And so, like, the, one of the guitarists for Merciful Fate at one point played, like, I think live guitar for Megadeth. And they were in Texas, where even though King Diamond's from Finland, he fucking lives in Texas now. And they were like, we could get King Diamond on and do a Merciful Fate song. And he's like, no, he's satanic. No. Oh, my goodness. It's like, literally the least metal thing you can do is be like, no, 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 but he's satanic. And admittedly... But is it the most Christian metal thing you could do? Oh, even Christian, but like <laughs> even Christian metal bands will play with like Cannibal Corpse and like Behemoth and stuff like that on festivals. Mm. Like even Christian metal bands will do that sort of stuff. And he, he had a, a period where he would sort of go, no, they're satanic. I'm not going to, you, you will not get Megadeth on this festival if they're there. Like Rotting Christ is there. And admittedly, he then did come around and go, 
like years later, I was new to this. I didn't know how to act. Yeah. And I needed, I felt like I needed to be the best Christian I could be. Did he, does he still consider himself Christian? Oh yeah, he's still a Christian, but now he's very much softened. Right. On that. So like, again, like I go back and forth on, I'll look at something and maybe, maybe he's like gone back on that statement or maybe he hasn't. And yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 cause like he's, he is very instrumental. I'm not going to, I'm not going to downplay his role in the eighties thrash scene. Yeah. But he also decided to downplay like literally every other person's input. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, come on, mate. Like, like he's or not just downplay, but like basically he attributes himself to, or at one point he did attribute himself to Metallica's success, even though he was on one album and they, they released solid album after solid album after solid album. And then the black album came out, but that's, you know, commercially that was their most successful album, even though I don't like that album, but like he also attributed himself to like Slayer's success. And it's just at some point you just sort of need to take a step back and go, okay, I'm my own little Island here Mm. and everyone else is revolving around me. And I don't know, but like also, he does seem to kind of mature a bit in his older age. Um, but like, yeah, as I was saying, like, cause he's saying, I wanted to make a faster, heavier band than Metallica as yeah. revenge. And he kind of did in a way, but also he also kind of kept, he kept basically the sound going longer than Metallica did as well. Right. Cause like, I think in the same year as Rust in Peace, um, the Black Album came out, or the Metallica self-titled album came out, maybe like a year later. So the one with Nothing Else Matters on it? Nothing Else yeah. Matters, and Enter Sandman. And I'm I'm going to go on record and say, I hate Enter Sandman. That's a garbage song. <laughs> Fuck Enter Sandman. Fuck that fucking song. It's so bad. Uh, why and, do you hate it? And like, Because basically, this is the way I look at that period of Metallica. They became, and look, it worked for them. They became arguably the richest heavy metal band in history. That's what it's all about, right? (laughs) I mean, maybe. Like, they are. Like, they were wildly successful from that album. Yeah. But it also became... I don't know. They were writing songs with, with sort of meaning and writing songs about, like, the horrors of war and that sort of stuff. And then Enter Sandman comes out. They sort of change up their image. They had, like... They had wicked album art. Oh, really? Like, the first three albums, you put that on a shirt, and that's a... Like, I would wear all three of those albums on a shirt. Those shirts are fucking sick. The Kill Em All album art, the Ride the Lightning album art, and the Master of Puppets album art. I'm not... Even the Justice for All album art is okay. Yeah. It's cool, but, like, then the next album art is just black with, like, the Don't Tread On Me snake as well. So they sort of... They very much became... Are they conservative then? I don't I don't know if they necessarily are, but also, like, they might also want to keep their guns. Like, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know, like... So it sounds like they're kind of libertarian. Probably, look, they probably are. I, I, I'm not... I don't run a Metallica podcast. That's for someone else to do. A, um, yep. But I... 
I don't know. I, I find that that period and from then on was sort of take, it wasn't like metal heads, like with the long hair and the, the battle vests and the tight leather pants. It became fucking jocks. Okay. That really got into Metallica from the black album on like, like war bros, like guys who like soldiers, like guys who were really into war or like like, even actual soldiers yeah, and that sort of shit. And like, and then eventually like Slayer would sort of adopt that. And it sort of has always felt like Megadeth has kind of always been on the right side. Yeah. Politically, like they've, they've had like their moments of like anti-UN and like they even though he's like, I feel like the, the intent is there, but he's just maybe getting it a bit wrong with Holy Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but long story short, like, I, I go through periods where I really enjoy Megadeth. Yeah. Are they my favourite thrash band? No. And and I'm going to say, like, none of his albums, none of Dave Mustaine's albums, are ever going to reach the peak that, in my mind, the peak of, like, the best thrash metal album of all time is Rain and Blood by Slayer. Right. It's 27 minutes long, and, like, you'll never be able to make another album that's as good, as fast, as heavy, as evil sounding as that. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I'm ranting and raving right now. <laughs> this is good. Keep it going. So it means I don't have to have any intelligent <laughs> input. But like, and then I'll have periods where I'm like, nah, I'm not really, not really feeling Megadeth. But this, this period from basically this album, like this was basically the end period of them being really good. And just starting to kind of get worse as well. Right. Um, yeah, I'd say this is sort of like their last really great album. Mm-hmm. Probably for a long while. I haven't, admittedly, I haven't listened to their stuff in the 2000s and 2010s and 2020s. But I know that the 90s, like for most other metal bands, unless you were named Pantera or Metallica, the 90s weren't terribly good for a lot of metal bands like this. Right. Yeah. Because a little thing called grunge happened and killed a lot of it off. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> sure did. But yes, I uh, we we listened to this and you were like, when is the singing going to start? Like, it's fine, but it's just, I still find it funny that this is classified as metal. Oh, like, this is, yeah, this is 100% metal. But again, to me, it's still like, I'm used to metal being like the Black Dahlia murdered metal. Yeah, I mean, I listen to some. I mean, I do listen to a lot of thrash, but I guess I don't really listen to enough around the house for you to get an idea of it. Mm. Like, I think doing this podcast with you has helped me to realise that metal encompasses stuff that is so much more pedestrian than I thought it did. Oh, it's so broad as well. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like, this is... Like, I would have just called this rock... Yeah, fair enough. But, but like, this is, you know, this is radio-friendly metal. Um, but, mm. yeah, I, you know, it can't all be brutal. Um, I, watching the film clip for this, I kind of wish I could pull off wearing white, I think, spandex pants that he's wearing with a bullet belt. 
Yeah, I do miss the the era of the bullet belt. Well, at least the one that we had in the 2000s. Even belt. though I am strictly anti-gun. <laughs> there's, some, there's something still very badass about wearing a bullet belt, even though the literal thing that it is representing is not cool. Yeah. Yeah, not cool. Um, anyway, good night. I, I kind of wish that I could also rock being shirtless like that as well. So, public indecency laws. Indecency or decency laws? Um, I don't know. I don't You're know. allowed to wear a, go without a shirt outside. I'm not. I probably wouldn't, though. Yeah, but you could, is what I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah, you're right. I could. Mm. Depends on where I'm at. I probably wouldn't get looks. No, probably not. I I had a, a thought for, like, a new rule in life. Mm. Unless you're at a beach, if you see a shirtless man approaching you, turn the other way. Oh, that would be walk, so good. Walk the other way. Cross, cross the street. If you're... Because I... I saw someone in the street of Footscray the other day and they were admittedly just wearing a shirt that was very skin toned, but I was like, oh God, that's a shirtless man <laughs> just in Footscray. Just enjoying his afternoon. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't mean to like ruin anyone's day, but yeah. I, yeah, I've, I have no idea why we're talking, well, I do know, but no idea why we're talking about being shirtless on the pod, but like... To such degree. I know, but it just, it's never... Because i got to get it to 40 minutes, baby. We don't have to. We could just give our listeners a fucking break and they would go, thank you. I get to enjoy my evening without this nonsense. <laughs> um, but like, I've just never... I just, yeah. Like, there's something about... Dudes walking around without a shirt on that just gives me the shits more than anything. Yeah. yeah. Like, I never used to vibe with, like, yeah. What, I mean, working in a bottle shop across the road from a beach, this, like, over summertime, you just saw shirtless dudes. And it, they were never not dickheads. Yeah. They were yeah. never not just fucking self-absorbed wank pheasants. Like, <laughs> just absolute fucking toolboxes. So it's just like, would it kill you to put a shirt on right now? Like it's hot. Put a singlet on. Yeah. Even just like put on a shirt, but don't button it up. Like just give me something. (laughs) Like I really have no interest in seeing your tiny little skinny body (laughs) waltzing through like my house or like down the street or. Oh, is that that a message on me going around shirtless? No. Remember... Old mate. Oh yeah. yeah. Old fucking Anywho. German roommate who used to walk around shirtless in the house. Um but yeah, I, I think mostly this is I, I I think mostly this is a pretty cool film clip. If it was just basically if it just basically stuck to them playing. Like Yeah. I, I, I love the visual aspect of they're all on a stage. But they're, they're facing away from each other. So they're like basically facing north, south, east, and west. Okay. And. See, I didn't even pick up on that. Well, I'm, I'm just giving a, I don't know if that was the intent, but I'm right. just giving like a visual. Gotcha. A visual, uh, description for the listener here if they haven't seen this film clip. 
And the drummer's on, like, his own stage, and that's sick. Mm. And then it, like, it gets kind of confused, because it starts to splice in war footage. But it feels glorified to me still. Yeah, it kind of, I guess it kind of does if it's being like, hey, but, like, the the cause is, is winning this war. Mm. And then there's just footage of them skydiving. Again, I was just, like, fully checked out at this point. But, like, it's not like... I don't even think it's meant to represent, like, the the skydivers, you know, the, the paratroopers or whatever they were mm. that would that would parachute into to Berlin or whatever in the Second World War. It's just Dave Mustaine skydiving. <laughs> and I, I had one of their DVDs when I was 18 and, and going through a little bit of a Megadeth phase... And yeah, he he skydives, and when he lands, he's just because I think he reached a point where he could, where he could skydive by himself without the instructor. Okay. And he does weird stuff like that, like he's he's a black belt in karate, <laughs> um, but he skydives and he he lands, and he just starts talking really weirdly about skydiving. He's talking about. Oh yeah, it's the best rush you could ever experience. It's better than drugs. It's better than sex. It's better than anything about skydiving. And so I'm pretty sure that that's just for him to look awesome. Oh yeah. And that again shows you that his ego knows no bounds. It sounds like, uh, like he almost sounds painfully self-aware, but then obviously he's not because if you were painfully self-aware, you'd know to shut the fuck up. Yeah, he's, as I said, his ego knows no bounds, but he's also, he also can very much play the victim. Oh, yeah. A lot of the time. Like, he, again, he played the victim for decades after the Metallica split. Mm. And, yeah, but then, as I said, he, he's a black belt in karate, and there was a period of time where he just loved to talk about his black belt in karate, and he talked about, he, he mentioned... That at a festival, he he was worried that he was going to get in a fight with the lead singer of the black metal band Dissection, and I'm not going to defend the black the lead singer of Dissection because he killed a gay man for being gay, um, and because it was Sweden, yeah. If it's similar to Norway, the a life sentence is about twenty years. Jesus, that's why you have the former bassist of Mayhem. Murdering the other mem- was he the former bassist? I can't remember. He was the bassist or guitarist, Varg, killing Euronymous from Mayhem, and then he fucking, like, murdering him. Just murdering him. He said it was self-defense, but he literally went to the other guy's house and stabbed him to death. Jesus. And he got 17 years, because that was a life sentence in Norway. Um, and so, yeah, Dissection were on a tour, or they were on a, they were on a festival, they had beef with Megadeth, and he's, He's just like, oh, you know, and I was ready to fight him. And then the guy kills himself. The guy from Dissection kills himself. And then oh. he, and then and Dave Mustaine kept talking about it in magazines and stuff. He's like, oh, well, I heard he killed himself. So that's good. And it's like, you're you're supposed to be a, a good Christian man now, Dave. Mm. <laughs> you're not supposed to glorify in that. Even if, even if the other guy is not a good guy, you're not supposed to glorify in that. Yeah. He just has a very inflated sense of self by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah, he does. But, you know, he could have also 
wallowed in his despair and not formed one of the like pillars of thrash metal, which he did. I, I, I don't want it to come across like I don't like Megadeth. I do like Megadeth. I just don't love Megadeth. I'm not enamored by you Megadeth. You don't have to, though. That's the point. But I also I also respect what they did do for metal. Yeah. And and I know what they did for metal. But it wasn't just them in a vacuum. No. Like, it wasn't. Yeah. And and that's what I kind of I also don't I also don't imagine that there's any major Megadeth fans listening to this, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> And if you are, you probably still won't tell us about it, so that's fine. But uh, admittedly, I do, I do like this song. It's, I don't know. I feel like they could have potentially done like something else could have been done. But this is, this is one of their, you know, this is one of their big songs. Yeah. You know, for a, for a metal band, it did pretty well for itself. You know, it reached number 138 on the ARIA charts, number 12 in Ireland and 24 on the UK singles charts. Well, shit. Yeah. some facts about RX bandits. See, I just read that as prescription bandits now. Uh, pharmaceutical bandits. Yeah. See, I always see RX as like a prescription term. I'm not saying that it is. It's just that's like, I feel like I've seen that on doctor's notes and stuff. Yeah. Cause they used to go by pharmaceutical bandits. Yeah, I know, uh, I know. But RX means a doctor's... Pre- which is why I read it as prescription bandits. Yeah. Anyway. So if I asked you, judging by where a lot of the bands have come from from these this year's episodes, where would you say that RX bandits come from? I would say Orange County because that's what it says here. Ah, because you're reading. Yeah. Well, I saw you reading anyway, so I I still asked... So they formed in 1995 from Orange County. Originally known as the Pharmaceutical Bandits, the band began their career during the third wave ska revival of the 1990s. I had no idea they were ska until those horns kicked in and then I was pleasantly surprised. I was looking at your face, (laughs) waiting for that reaction. Yeah. And then it was just a very slow look up and then, is that horns? (laughs) (laughs) This is... This is one of those good examples of a band really advertising themselves. This is a ba- this is a band going this is who we are. You know, this is this is what we do 
and they they come in, they do some things different, they do some things similar to the original, and they do a a pretty. I I quite like this cover. Yeah, especially like I when it first starts, and again because it takes quite a while to get to that part. Yeah, like it takes about a minute to get up to that that part, and then the horns come in, and I immediately just smiled. Yeah. Um, and I will say his style of singing is very, it's very nonsensical though. Like mm. I, if I didn't know the lyrics to this song, I wasn't going to be learning it from this cover. Right. Just cause he's very. Yeah. But yeah. And just, I don't know. They, they lean. Cause I don't know if there's, if there was then a fourth wave of Scar with bands like less than Jake because they were more in the two thousands. But I imagine like third wave scar included bands like real big fish and the mighty, mighty boss stones. No doubt. Would they have been included? Well, I guess the first was it the first, well, they were scar for a couple of albums. Weren't they? Scar, different waves of scar. Let's have a look. Is there a fourth wave of scar? Oh, Jesus, hang on. I'm probably going to be wrong. But, like, what I was... While you're looking at that, what I was going to say was they leaned... Because there's, like, the sort of bridge part before the guitar solo where it sort of... It, it, it is the slower part. And they lean way more into reggae than any other Scar I've sort of listened to. And I'll admit I'm not a big Scar fan. I'm, mm. I, don't, I don't listen to too much Scar, so I don't really know, like... If someone says, hey, do you listen to Scar? I'd go, well, I used to listen to Less Than Jake. And I like that one or those those couple of real big fish songs. Yeah. What were you able to find? Um, Apparently, there's only been three waves so far. I guess Less Than Jake probably did start in the 90s. It's just that I was listening to them in 2003. Yeah. Uh, so where are we? First wave was the original Jamaican scene. Second wave was two-tone, and so that was um, spearheaded by Jerry Dammers and his band The Specials. Other notable ska music from the second wave was Madness, The Selector, Bad Manners, and The Body Snatchers. Then third wave was, yeah, like mid-90s, so like No Doubt, Sublime, Real Big Fish, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Of course Sublime, why did I forget them? Uh... Yeah, apparently there's no fourth wave as of yet. Although, I don't know, like... Like, I would be calling, like, JER and, um... Like, Scartoon Network and all that, like, fourth wave, surely. But it's... it's, I guess it's not so much a different style as just, like, a revival. And does Scartoon Network have a, a full band? Or is it just him on... Or them on YouTube? Um... That is a good point. I think it's just them. But um, they also record music under Jer, J-E-R. Oh, yeah. Do-do-do. Maybe, maybe it is just Scartoon Network that's keeping it alive. Keep, yeah. Keeping the old lights on, as they say. I, um... I don't know. Is the world ready for <laughs> a, a fourth wave of Scar? Is that what is going to finally bring about the the apocalypse? Or I feel like that's the thing that'll probably make all this shit go away. It's just like yeah. a concerted fourth wave of scar to just like clear out the cobwebs. Just, just all the bad vibes are like, Mm-mm, not dealing with this. 
Well, like, how could you, how could you believe in like QAnon when you're listening to Scar? <laughs> I could probably see some of those those bands that are like, you think that they're like the the music is so friendly sounding and it's like so happy and so catchy, but yet they're like in the deepest trenches of QAnon. <laughs> they're just they're just fully red pilled. Or black pilled, or whatever or the whatever black and white checker pilled. <laughs> this has been. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Let's call it. Well, hell yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I would just give it a yes with a full stop at the end. I give it. I give them both a hell yeah. Um, this has been Holy Wars. And the, listening to this has been the punishment due. Oh, there we go. There we go. I can finally release you from this torment. <laughs>